Okay, do you know what is the most common thought of a non-believer coming into a church service? Uh, if, if somebody's coming in, maybe they don't really want to be here. Maybe a family member has brought them and uh, they're not really excited about being here. Do you know what is the number one thought that you think you do? So complete this sentence. These people are blank. There he is, boy. Your previous pastor, he knows this. These people are after my money. All right, most common thought. So if you're here today, you're new, and you're thinking that, hey, I got your number. <laughs> I know what you're thinking. Well, what we're saying here today at Ironworks is we are not after your money, and we're proving it with our what uh, Drew was just talking about, our anti-offering, uh, our uh, non-reverse yeah, offering, reverse offertory, right? Where Because we're not going to take your money. We want to give you money. Okay, but because the fact is that Ironworks Church is not after your money. We are not after your money. We're not thinking about your money. We don't care about your money. We do care very much about your hearts. And it turns out that what you do with your money again and again reveals what is in your heart. Without fail, without fail, where your money goes reveals where your heart is. So that's why at Ironworks Church, we do talk about money, and we do talk about what you're doing with your money. But the, the surprise for you this morning, I think, many of you might be surprised that the Bible, when we look at the Bible and the whole counsel of the Bible, the Bible tells you to make money. You might not be aware of that, but right from the first verse of the passage that we're going to be reading, there's a command, basically it's a command in this passage to make money. That's what's there. As we read it, we're going to be talking about money. And the Bible has a lot to say about, actually, how to make money. Uh, so you may not have heard many sermons in your life that tell you to make money, but you're going to hear one this morning uh, because we're going to stay close to the text here and what it's telling us to do. Because thinking about money turns out to be an important part of righteousness. And actually making wealth, increasing wealth for your family is part of a godly life. That's what we're going to be seeing here this morning. And that's why this idea, whether it was Drew's or not, it's a fantastic idea of what we're doing here at Ironworks this morning with this reverse offertory is we are, we are, we are exploring this concept of investment. And we're going to start here this morning by doing it in the book of Proverbs. Now, a little while ago, I did a, a kind of in-depth study in the book of Proverbs of all that the, the book had to say about money. And I, I needed to do that because I needed, I needed some wisdom about money. And so I did this study, and it turns out there are many Proverbs in the book of Proverbs that talk about the evils of money how it doesn't deliver what it seems to promise, and there are, there are things when you set your heart on it, and, and all the bad things that come from money. I also found that there are about just as many Proverbs in the book of Proverbs that talk about how good money is, that wealth is something to be desired, that it's valuable wealth, and it's something to be cultivated. Um, even in this passage, we're going we're gonna to 
get a reference to the crown, the crown of wealth in the, in the book of Proverbs. That's, that's something to be desired because it, wealth increases your status, allows you to exert influence in the world for righteousness, something that's good. So what we're going to be doing today is adjusting our attitude about money, whatever side you're on, whether you, know, you think too much about money or whether you don't think as much enough about money. All of us, I think, can adjust our attitude toward it, more towards what uh, the, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, the way he put it was, you know, love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. He says, not money, certainly the love of money, if it becomes the thing, it becomes the thing that you say, I'm going to get this no matter what, it's the goal of your life, then it's, it, can become, it can result in all kinds of evil. But money itself, no, that's not the problem. So what we're going to do today is provide hope also. I hope that in talking about this, especially I can provide hope for those of you who might be struggling. If you're in debt and you need to get out of it, and if you are in debt, you do need to get out of it, or if you are just struggling and say it's so hard to be making a living, I hope that what we're going to learn from this passage will provide hope for you that, that actually things could be different for you. Because we're going to be looking at one of the most important principles of, there are actually many important principles, and I hope maybe sometime we could go in, in more depth of what Proverbs has to say about this, but one important principle of wealth-making and it has to do with how God made the world. So please stand with me as you can, and we're going to read from Proverbs chapter 27. I'm going to be reading from the RSV version. Again, that's Proverbs chapter 27, verses 23 through 27, and you can follow along in your bulletin if you'd like. Know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. For riches do not last forever. And does a crown endure to all generations? When the grass is gone and the new growth appears and the herbage of the mountains is gathered, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. There will be enough goat's milk for your food, for the food of your household, and maintenance for your maidens. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please be seated. Okay. You know, the first thing that we should note, I think, from this passage first thing we should establish is what it's saying in verse 24, that wealth or money left by itself will go away. Like if you take money and you say, I'm, I'm going to hold on to this, you just put it in a storeroom, you know, or put, you know, bury your cash under your mattress, it's going to go away. It is not a, a, a appreciating resource. It's a depreciating resource. It's not self-renewing. Okay, and it's very emphatic in the way that he puts this here, the writer. It's, it certainly will not endure because it gets used up and it depreciates. It's sort of like cotton candy. You know, if you got some cotton candy, right, and you put it in a jar 
and you go away, you come back, what do you have? It's like nothing, right? You ever do that? Did you ever put cotton candy in a jar? No, you just ate it, right? Smart. It's because you're smart, right? You've got to apply cotton candy, you know? If you take cotton candy and put it, put it in a jar, you come back, it's like, well, where is it? It's nothing, you know? That's like, what do you, that's like cash that you say it takes it. You don't do anything with it. You just pour, store it away. You come back. It depreciates. So, verse 23, we must pay attention to the means, not just pay attention to the wealth, pay attention to the means of wealth generation. And in an agrarian society, like the ancient Near East agrarian society that we're um, addressing here, that means paying attention to your flocks, paying attention to your herds, paying attention to your fields. Because these are self-renewing. So they're an increasing source of wealth. Okay, that's, that's his basic charge here in the beginning, in verse 23. Pay close attention. So let's do some theology here about what he's saying, why he's saying it. The point is, we can get this from verse 25, there is always growth in God's creation. There's always growth in God's creation. Even, verse 25, when the old grass grows and passes away, and, you know, translations say it differently here, but it, it's it, when this happens, when the old growth goes away, he's saying the new growth then appears. And that's one of the fabulous things about living in this world. When the old growth goes away, there's new growth that appears. And the reason that is, friends, goes back to Genesis chapter 1 when God made the world. We think, when we think about it, when God made the world, he just spoke, you know, and it all just happened. But if you actually read the account closely, when it comes to the earth, God speaks to the earth and it brings forth of itself. He speaks to the earth. He commands the earth. And because he speaks, because he tells the earth, the earth brings forth seed, bearing seed. In Genesis chapter 1. And God has spoken to the earth. And he never said stop. And because he never did, the earth continues to produce. It's growth. Because God has spoken, it brings forth. And there's a resilience to the creation. You can hardly kill it. Even though uh, in our sinfulness, we, <laughs> we certainly seem to try. In our mismanagement, there are a lot of things we could do to damage the creation. And we do. But even so, even in the midst of our sin and mismanagement, still it's created. Still it is putting forth, it is bringing forth because he has spoken to it. The earth teems with life. And that's why, you know, it's so annoying to you. You have to keep out going out and mowing your lawn, right? Do you ever think about that? It's like some of you who have a lawn. It's like, I have to keep mowing this lawn. Why can't I just mow it once? But you have to keep mowing it because the earth continually is fruitful and brings forth. Or, you know, in my property where I live, I live in one of what I think is one of the most beautiful places on the earth, which is southern Lancaster County. And I have, uh, we have a few acres where we got to have some woods. So I have these little woods. And I say, well, you know, what's, what's the use of having these woods without, you know, being able to enjoy them? So I go out and try to make paths through the woods. 
So I go out with my little trimmer and I'm like in our little woods. I'm like, this is great. I'm making paths through the woods. I make a path right through the woods. I thought, great. Now I can enjoy the woods. I come back a week later. Where's the path? <laughs> it all grew back. You know, this is just one of the expressions of the fruitfulness of the earth. And it, it has to do with vegetation. It has to do with so much more in the way that God has created. There is always this, this resilience to the earth. And it's not just resilience. It is this self-multiplication that is a property of our world. This bringing forth of itself, as it talks about in, in Genesis 1. This self-replication. And, you know, in the Greek translation, the, the Septuagint translation of the Old Testament, it's the, the term is sperun sperma, seed-bearing seed. God spoke to the earth and it brought forth seed-bearing seed, which has in itself the ability to bear more seed. Seed-bearing seed, bearing seed, bearing seed, etc. That's, that's the feature of our world. It's what Jesus Christ in his teaching in Mark chapter 4 calls the automatos. When Jesus is teaching on creation, Mark chapter 4 in a parable, he says, he uses this word. He said, this is an automatos, um, which, from which we get our English word automatic, right? bringing forth of itself. A wonderful feature of what it's like to live here. Now, you might not think of things this way uh, because our sin tends to mask this. The earth is bountiful and there is enough. But because of our sin, it might seem like, oh, well, you say this, how come this person, these people don't have enough? It's not because there isn't enough, friends. It's because, well, there's personal sin. And that's the reason sometimes people don't have enough. There's societal sin. There's, de there's the general oppression of the powerful, which is definitely a reality in our world. It makes it seem like maybe this is not the case. And so you have uh, ec economists talk about the scarcity of resources, and they say this is the basis of economics, the scarcity of resources. Friends, they're working on a wrong model when it comes to the earth we live in. There is enough. There really is enough. And there are different ways to see that there is enough. You know, we don't really have time to, to go into it in the sermon. But, you know, if you'd like to talk more about this, after the service, I end up in those, you know, sofa area in the bistro if you want to talk uh, more about this. But it's our sin, really, that's masking the truth that the creation is bountiful. It's bountiful for us. All right, so... Maybe you're coming along with me. I see, I see some furrowed brows here. But maybe you're like, okay, I can get this. The earth produces, it's bountiful, it's self-replicating. What on earth does this have to do with my money? What does this on earth have to do with my bank account or what's in my wallet? It has everything to do with it. You know why? Because money isn't really a thing. We tend to think it's like money is this, this thing. Money... I don't know if you ever thought about this. You I'm, well, I'm glad I have some cash in here. Money is, money is, it's just this piece of paper. It's not actually something. What money is, is a means of assigning value to something in the creation. That's all it is. Money is what it tells us we've agreed that, you know, a pound of meat is worth. It's how valuable it is or how much a bottle of milk is. That's all that money is. It's a means of assigning value. So as long as money is referring to something, describing something real in the creation, and by the way, that's the problem with financial products. 
when they stop describing something real in the creation, then you have problems. But so long as it's doing that, it's describing the value of the creation. So if you assigned this value, a monetary value, to everything in the earth, every, every grain of wheat, every animal, and not only that, but all of the technology, because the reason we can have technology is because God spoke to the earth and it brought forth. Every technology is based on this creation bounty. So all the 3D printers and all the genetics and all the stem cell technology and all now the, the atomic uh, construction of materials that, that is now being done, all of that is assigned a value. And then you added it all up and got the sum total, the grand total of all the value of the things in creation. The, that grand total tomorrow will be higher than it is today. The value of the things in the earth is increasing. That means that wealth increases. The kind of fundamental of, of money and wealth. God has spoken to the earth and it has brought forth seed-bearing seed. So wealth can be used to make wealth. And that is what verses 26 through 27 are trying to tell us. That's what the author is trying to say. He's saying you have wealth and it, wealth can increase because of the way that God made the world. And you can use wealth and should use wealth to make wealth. So You see verse 26. The lambs provide for your clothing. And that's true. Wealth provides for you. So it gives you the things, the wealth, the money that you have, the wealth that you have provides for you. But also, verse 26, the baby goats will provide you with a price of the field. That is money to purchase arable land, which is another income source. You see what he's saying is it provides for you, but also the wealth provides for a way for you to make more wealth. And he's talking about the baby goats, because if you have goats, they will have goats. And you could use those goats to get the price of the field, pay for, for arable land, another source of income. Verse 27, if you have goat's milk, ooh, you're good. By the way, in the, in the ancient Near East culture, if you had goat's milk, you were set. It was by far the nutrient of choice. If you had goats and you had goat's milk, man, you were okay. You, your family would be okay. You could, it would be all right. Goat's milk, that was the thing. But it, it, and so it's saying that, you know, goat's milk is, is going to be enough for your own maintenance. It's going to be enough for your family, which is great. And, and uh, he doesn't go into it, but there were actually all sorts of products that you got to sustain yourself from your goats, from your livestock. It was, it was this nutrition, but it was also, it was also food. Uh, it was also sacrificial worship it would provide for you to be able to worship with sacrifices it would also provide vessels uh, containers and musical instruments all from this uh, livestock so yeah it'll provide for you but also verse 27 you have this she goat's milk and it can it can provide for you to employ others that's what it means when it says they're maids or maid servants in the translation 
you can not only provide for your family, you can actually employ others with this goat's milk who then, in turn, can help you create more wealth. The same? So this is self-perpetuating wealth, wealth that makes wealth. Pay close attention, says the author, to wealth that makes wealth. I can give you a great example of this that we saw in our own lives. Um, I had a personal goal in my life to be able to have my kids go through college and have them graduate debt-free. This is just a personal goal that I had. I said, I want to do this. I want to have my kids be able to go to college. I want them to be able to graduate debt-free. It's a hard thing. And uh, we didn't really have the resources to do it. I prayed and prayed and prayed for this. And when we moved to New York City a number of years back, we were just able, with a big mortgage, to be able to buy a property. And we bought an apartment. Uh, and that was great because as we lived in New York, that, that property appreciated in value. So we had an apartment. When we moved out of New York, we were right in the thick of the college years. And so I was saying, this is great because we've actually made money on this apartment. We can sell this apartment. We can pay off our mortgage and we'd be able to, able to pay for our kids to go through college. So I was like, oh, this is great. We're all set. My wife put her hand on my arm and said, no. We shouldn't do that. I was like, you're crazy. This is it. We can do it. We can relax. I don't have to worry about it. She said, no, what we should do is actually hold on to this apartment because it's actually a way of producing income. So we hold on to this apartment. I know it's going to be tough. It's not going to provide the whole thing. But if we rent it out instead, then we can have income that can help with our income to uh, with our kids in college. And that was probably the best financial decision we ever made. Thank you very much, honey, by the way. Thank you, Mary Kay. Because what happened was we, we did, we held on to it. It actually was able to help put my second kid, my son, through college. And the apartment in New York real estate continued to appreciate in value. So we actually gained more value from that. What was that? That was an application of this principle of this passage that is using wealth to create more wealth and thinking of life that way is very good, leveraging what we have. So let me just tell you, give you a few thoughts here to help you apply this in your various uh, situations. What does it mean to know the conditions of your flock in verse 23? Be concerned with and, you know, again, that verb in the, in the Hebrew is actually repeated for emphasis. Really know your, your self-generating resources. Really know them. Really look into them, is what it's saying. Now, in a previous congregation I was in, um, in my previous church, I had a lot of farmers. So, I, you know, they could apply this directly <laughs> to, their, to their lives. They just tell the farmers, they're like, yep, I know just what you're talking about. Better take care of those cows, you know. I don't think there are many farmers here. So probably what this means for us, we're going to apply it, it means investments and passive income. Looking for an opportunity for investing your self-generating resources. Um, so what is it telling you to do? This is here, the Bible telling you, you should probably invest as you can. And you say, what does that mean? Do I just want to throw money at the stock market? No. You know, which is quite a very risky thing to do. But what it does mean is, is you take what you have 
and you say, this is an area that I know something about, I can invest. So if you work in a brewery, you know something about the beer industry. It's an opportunity there, maybe for you to know something and build upon to invest in. If you're a musician, you know something about the music industry. And there's something there for you to look for opportunities in. Now, maybe some of you are there saying, well, what about me? I don't have anything. You know, I'm one of these people trying to, to make my way out of debt. Here's the hope of this passage, and I do hope you can, you can hold on to this hope. There are opportunities for you because of the fruitfulness of creation. There are always opportunities for you that come along, and you need to look to them. You need to look for them uh, and recognize them for your, for your financial help. Uh, I don't think it's too far afield, and I think uh, I've asked my daughter, so she wouldn't mind me telling this story. But I saw this when my daughter was 16 years old. She said, I want to be a writer. We were trying to help her, you know, get this, you know, um, instruction in writing. And I didn't really expect much from it. I was kind of concerned because, you know, writers don't really make money um, unless they're, you know, at the very top, right? Unless you're really best selling all, you don't really make money. You know, right? yeah, she knows. But I'm thinking, this is interesting. And she's 16 years old, so she doesn't really have anything to say. You know, she's just a kid. I tell you what she did. She reminds me of this, she reminds me in this, of this uh, proverb, Proverbs chapter 10 that says, you know, a wise son, if he goes out to harvest at the right time, he makes his father very happy. Okay, it's actually the same thing that's being said in verse 25. If you harvest at the right time, you will have fodder for your flocks. If you're recognizing the opportunities when they come. This is what she did. She had one thing that she could write about. She had one thing in her experience, and that was she was homeschooled in New York City. And back when she was 16, actually, that was especially unusual well, it turns out there was a news cycle that came along and home, homeschooling was suddenly in the news. I think it was, a, it was during a presidential election. It was like all about homeschool. Oh, is it this terrible thing? And, and she had this experience of what it's like to be homeschooled in New York and what people would say to her and the kind of reaction she would get. So she wrote a piece on that. It turned out to be picked up by a major newspaper. So she was published in a newspaper, then she ended up on television because of this. she actually got paid for this. What is it? She, had, she recognized the opportunity, she had fought, so she had fodder for her flocks. So there's hope because of God's creation that I want you to have today. Leveraging our sustaining resources, make money. Okay, there's one more thing, very important though, that I want to get to when we talk about this passage. Because this is all very good and very practical, but all of this is really to teach us something even more important. Teach us not about the creation, but about the new creation. You know, Jesus Christ actually liked Proverbs. He liked making them up. He liked appropriating them uh, when he could. He liked using Proverbs. So you see Jesus using Proverbs all the time. And he says, straight is the gate that makes that lead to eternal life. Or, you know, um, Wisdom is justified by her children. Many are called, but few are chosen. He uses these proverbs. He had a favorite proverb, I think. The reason I say that is because it comes up a number of different times in the Gospels. You know what Jesus' favorite proverb was? 
It was this. To him who has will more be given. To him who has will more be given. What he was teaching about when he used that proverb was the nature of the new creation to teach us that not only is the creation like this, but the new creation also is like this as well. And the new creation began when he died and arose again. He began a new thing in the world. What Paul calls in 2 Corinthians 5, the new creation. It exploded into the original creation. And you cannot kill it because of what he did. Because of the power released in his resurrection, he started something that was going to self-replicate, have the same quality about it, have within it seed-bearing seed that would go forth and you couldn't stop it. So long as it's not, as we, if we don't hoard it, we don't put it in a jar like that cotton candy, but we actually invest it in others, this goes forth and is self-replicating, it's self-renewing, it multiplies of itself. That's the nature of the new creation. It's because of the power of what Jesus did. And that's what we're dealing with now. So, the renewable resource, the renewable source of, of self-multiplication, do you know what that is in the new creation? Well, it's not this building, although it's wonderful that Ironworks could, build, could buy this building. It's not the general fund. It's you. It's the people of this church. You are Jesus Christ's flocks that he is looking well into. And what he is, what he is doing is investing you to, to create this multiplication that takes place. Jesus Christ would like to arrange Ironworks Church to allow the true wealth of the kingdom to multiply. And so this money that we're giving you today, that's just what it is. It's just, an, it's just such an investment to help you think about multiplying God's blessings in other people. Because that's how it works. We give you this money, and you think about how to invest this to bless someone else, and the new creation's multiplied. That's how it goes. That's how God works in his people. That makes sense? And so what, um, what Drew is telling you to do here, and I really hope you take the opportunity here, is to have fun with this. Have fun with it. Take this money, use it, and watch the multiplication of the kingdom happen. You know, I, I could give you just one example before, before we close here. It was really good. I, I knew of this pastor uh, once who, he was stuck in an airport, and he was in that awful, you know, most horrible of all situations. The flight is delayed, right? And you're sitting in that waiting area, you know, that little waiting area with other people. And then the flight is delayed again. You ever have that happen? Oh, my gosh. It's the worst thing in the world. Because you know what all the people are like there when you're sitting there, right? They're bears. You know, you have this herd of bears. Everybody is grumpy. Everybody is upset. And, you know, the poor uh, flight attendant at the desk Sitting there, he's like, she's like, I'm so sorry. There's nothing I can do. Da, 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 da. And, but the people are fuming. They don't care. You know, they're abusive. You know what this pastor did? He's one of those people. He went and he bought sodas for everybody sitting in that waiting area. He went and bought sodas for every single one of them. 
And he went around to them and he said, you know, I know this is really difficult. I know this is a problem. I know you're upset, but please here, just receive some refreshment in the name of the Lord. And he just gave out sodas to every person there. Do you know what that did to that waiting area? It transformed it from a den of bears <laughs> into a party. It just transformed the whole atmosphere. People were started talking to one another, started having a good time. It was a party. What was that? That was the multiplication of the new creation. That's what you have an opportunity to do with this money, or even, even your own money. You can add to it and multiply the effect of the kingdom. That is what Jesus Christ is after. That is what we are. We are your flocks. He's multiplying that, multiplying the new creation through you. So let us take heart. Let us multiply his creation. Let's be fruitful and multiply. Amen? Amen. Let's come to the Lord's table now.